0: Are you looking for an athletic scholarship? You're in the right place. This is the Recruit Me Athletic Scholarship Podcast, the longest running podcast on recruiting and athletic scholarships. We're here to help your family navigate the recruiting road all the way to an athletic scholarship. He's a recruiting expert and a dad of a D1 athlete and a high school athlete pursuing a scholarship. With a wealth of experience to share, here's Recruit Me CEO, Brent Hanks. Thank you for joining me this week for episode 238, part two of an interview with Glenn Quick. I invite you to listen to last week's part one of the interview. Because of all the great information in this episode, I am going to expand the length of it. So let's get into part two of an interview with Glenn Quick. Glenn, uh, what's some advice that you would give to a high school student athlete and their families to prepare for college academics like study habits or you know, high school classes?
1: Starting with the last, high school classes do matter. Um, They are the building blocks for what's going to be necessary when you reach the collegiate level. I think one of the mistakes is, particularly in senior years, quote, senioritis, uh, folks think that... uh, gosh, I've I've been in school 12, 13 years. It's, you know, I get to take a break before I go off to college. That can come back to to haunt one if those habits have sort of been suspended for a year because you've been having so much fun and having that senioritis moment where you really aren't paying that much attention to
0: school. I've never understood that, Glenn, because you're an athlete. You wouldn't take a whole season off and then expect to come back and, and be good at your sport. Well, but
1: the mentality a lot of I times. Let's, let's, yeah, let's be honest now. School isn't as much fun as, as sports.
0: <laughs> and they're 17, <laughs> 18 years old.
1: <laughs> and so, and I understand that and I respect that. However, to answer your question, it, it, it does matter and it helps the continuation of preparation. Um, and you're exactly right, Brant, because what they uh, what they need to understand is that when you step foot on campus, faculty aren't, they, they 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 don't compare you to anybody else, right? Just because you happen to be able to throw or jump or hit or whatever your sport is uh, better than somebody else. What they're interested in is your aptitude with the content that's being presented. So they wanna know if you are engaging with the course and that instructor and the peers in the classroom. And what is the measurement of that? You gauge that through grades. And so grades do matter and ultimately you want to make sure that at the high school level that you're you're, you're staying academically sharp. Now, am I telling you or suggesting to you that you take the hardest curriculum available to you because that'll help prepare you for college? Well, in some cases, the answer would be yes. In others, it would be no because it would just, it could be disastrous for you and it might actually turn you off when it comes to academics. I think the measure is for each person is to determine what level of workload is manageable they can be successful at and develop their skills. You need to be able to write. You do need to have a quantitative strength Those are two things that matter and you need to be able to verbally express yourself. You have to be prepared in those areas when you're at the collegiate level. And so as much as you can do, um, then I'm going to suggest that you do that and take it seriously and understand that there is benefit to doing that uh, juniors and senior years. But I think throughout your high school, take advantage of your faculty. Make sure that you are, are organizing yourself in a way um, that some of those tools can be applied when you get to the collegiate level. One of the things that we are going to do throughout academics throughout the country is we're going to help prepare you for that next step. Just as your collegiate coaches are preparing you for the jump to intercollegiate athletics, we're going to do the same thing with, with, with the scholastic side of things. And so it's important to have a skill set when you arrive, but also have a willingness to and an understanding that you're going to have to adjust uh, to this level academically because you're competing in the classrooms, some of the best and brightest throughout the world. It doesn't matter if you can throw 95.
0: So is it Um, my understanding that uh, your freshman year in high school and your freshman year in college, that's when your GPA actually starts? Yes and no.
1: <laughs> yes, because but you can take dual credit classes in high school, or there may, you know, depending on the institution and how they receive them. From an NCAA perspective, yes, it's where you start your collegiate career. You, But your cumulative GPA that you might put on a resume, if you did some high school work that is transferable or usable credit for the college level toward graduation, that could actually go on that sort of combination. But ordinarily, yes, the NCAA is tracking student athletes based on the grade point average at the institution in which they're enrolled.
0: In general, are you seeing and are you seeing an advantage of students coming to college with college credits?
1: It can benefit a student. Depending on what the courses are, generally speaking, they are more of the foundation courses, the core courses, uh, general education courses, the math, science, English, humanities, social sciences, things like that, and those are normally introductory level courses that... Um, most institutions across the country are going to take as entry-level work and count them towards some sort of graduation required in most cases. But there may be some, depending on one's major, that cannot plug into that particular requirement. But in most cases, yes, it just depends on the institution.
0: That's mainly a money money, and time saving for students?
1: Right, because let, let's, say it, let's say it takes 125 hours to graduate or credits or units and different terminology, but all meaning is the same thing. Come in with 20, with 25. You only need 100 to be able to graduate with a baccalaureate degree then. Um, and if all 25 of those credits can be plugged into a specific requirement within a major and or a minor, those sorts of things, then yes, then you've reduced your course load overall and the cost to pay for those. Um, if you're paying any out-of-pocket expense, if you're on full scholarship, then it's not a problem. Um, you're literally that. The tuition fees, all those sorts of things are taken care of. Of. But if you have any out-of-pocket expense, then yes, then you only get $100, uh, 100 hours to pay for.
0: What sports do you mainly work with, Glenn?
1: In my current position, I provide services to all of our teams and all of our coaches and all of our counselors. And then we we divide them up, if, if you will. Uh, right now, I am working with our baseball program, our softball program, and our women's basketball program program um, on a daily basis. I have a workload of, or a caseload of probably about 85, 90 kids.
0: Can you tell a student athlete in general what to uh, expect uh, from an academic department on scheduling, study halls, road trips, uh, off-season academics, just kind of some of the different things that they might see in college that they maybe didn't see in, in high school?
1: Right. For for instance, in high school, you probably walk into your high school guidance counseling office and you get get a ton of support. Um, It's going to be some sort of similarity at this level, but it's going to be a lot of discussion about your major your minor, helping schedule those classes, finding out what those classes are, um, who's teaching them, what is the teaching format, and your engagement in it. What's the size of the class? What's the location of the class? And so you go into all of that before you make a decision if that's a course you're going to take. And so that ultimately is a decision that the student should always make. It should not be me or any other professional saying, take this class, unless it's a required course for a particular institution or a major that that's the only option. So that's, I, I guess, the first thing. The the ultimate goal for all of us throughout all this, I might mention, we haven't even touched on this yet, is graduation. I mean, we want you to graduate. We want you to go out with a meaningful degree and go out and make a positive difference in your life and the lives of those around you. Really, that's what this is all about, right? So all of this training should lead to that. And so that's why we do try to meet regularly. We do try to listen and understand and then provide what the opportunities are to people so that they can make their choices. The way I describe it often is is that the, the student is driving the car and people in our position are riding up front and we're helping navigate and we're giving options. You can take this road or this road or this road and here's what's down each of these roads and here are the opportunities and or lack thereof based upon the choice that you make behind the steering wheel. And so that's fun for us in this, in this profession. And so one of the things we're going to do then is we're going to know what the competition schedule is. We're going to know when we leave, when we come back. We're going to know where we're going. We're going to know who we're playing. We're going to know details if you have a training room need, if you're injured or needing any support there. There's mental health issues that may be engaged with. We have that. We have sports psychologists. We have nutritionists. We have all of these scheduled individuals that are available, and so we need to make sure that academically you can balance all of that, and so we look at content. We look at the rigor of that particular course, and we present all of that and say, okay, here's what you want to make sure you're doing. Now, if you happen to be in a sport in which you compete in one semester versus another, so for instance. We'll take your son's team. He play. He practices in the fall and he plays in the spring. So in the fall, content-wise, we would expect your university to load more classes, more hours, more intensity of content. Whereas in the spring, that would should be reduced because he's going to be traveling so much. He's going to be practicing when he's not traveling. And he's going to be, comp- be playing and still trying to engage in his academic rigor. So that then leaves your summer. Now what do you do? If you are in a sport like baseball in which summer baseball is being played, the opportunities to go to school are a challenge unless you're taking them virtually, which most are doing virtual learning right now, as we know. So there may be an opportunity to make up some hours there that maybe didn't take in a, in his spring term because he is in season. But um, if not, then he's going to be looking at trying to do that either in season or making that progress up in the next fall semester in which the intensity raises because he is not traveling and do that through the years. If you happen to be an individual who is competing in both fall and spring, then most of those are sports in which such as basketball teams, they are competing in the fall and spring semesters. It just happens to be their championships are held in the spring, but they are also in school uh, in school and involved in competition in the fall. Most of those individuals also use uh, summer to be able to try to get through these plans and these majors and these graduate op- graduation opportunities. Within four years, you do need summer school uh, because the workload is is critical to learning, to success in the course, engagement in the course, and those sorts of things. And so it depends on the sport, again, yeah. and those are two examples in which baseball is a one-semester competition, whereas a basketball program would be in two. And so it's uh, it's unique to the team, and that's why having individuals help manage that and help a student understand that, um, because, again, we're, we're partnering with all of these other departments as well to make sure that all these services are available. We want to make sure that we 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 are normally going to be in classes in the morning. Because we practice in the afternoon and we're competing in the evening or later afternoon in most cases, or on the weekends. So our tutoring services across the country ordinarily just fit wherever they can within the scheduling. Um, study halls are unique to each individual institution and program. Uh, we don't have a ton of them here, for instance, but you know I know of some institutions where there's a study hall for every team. So it just depends on um, the coach and that institution's philosophy. So it uh, it varies, uh, but it's adaptable and. That that's where we do spend a lot of time with, with particularly our new students trying to help them with the time management piece because it is critical that uh, the unique scheduling demands that are required of an athlete. And so for them to adapt smoothly as possible while excelling in the, in the classroom, sometimes that, that, that new student's going to need that support and that mentorship that, that hopefully folks like us can provide.
0: Well, and we've been lucky enough to go on some road trips with Parker. And uh, there's been some times that uh, he had to miss a meal with us to take a test while he was on the road because it had to be uh, done while he was on on the road someplace.
1: That's the reality. The thing is most institutions are asking no exception for anything, okay? They want our, our athletes and all athletes to be treated the same except for whenever they have to go and represent. So you're practicing to go represent your institution. You're an ambassador for that institution. So there, there's a request, for some leniency uh, whenever um, they are out doing that for the university and so otherwise turning assignments in taking an exam all of those sorts of things being a part of a presentation group everything that's required at the collegiate level academically uh, they're responsible for that work there's no question about that
0: learning to uh, read on a flight a bus or a van is very (laughs) important skill in college it doesn't hurt (laughs) Glenn, what's uh, something that really uh, surprises new freshmen or first-year students as they go into the, uh, their college academic world?
1: I think one of the first things they notice is that uh, they're not in school all day. It's interesting because right now, kind of a day in the life of uh, most high school students is they get up and they're at school by 8-ish, 8.30. I It you know, could be earlier, it could be a little later, I guess. just depends. And, and they may maybe done by 3-ish. And then they're practicing, and then they have their games that night if they have a game that night, and or they're free for the evening. At the collegiate level, uh, you may have a day where you don't have class, you don't have any school that day. You might have three in a day, and you're you're starting at nine in the morning, and you're done by noon. The next day, you might have one class, and you start at ten, and you're done at eleven. Well, what ends up happening, however, is your schedule becomes more packed with lots of other things, because you are in limited contact hours with your faculty, and this is throughout the country now, not just at institutions I've worked at, you, you have more free time, Well it appears that way, but then because you've received instruction three days a week for 45 minutes in a pretty intense content area, you've got to study on your own. And that's where the self-discipline and maturity as a student comes in, and that goes back to what we talked about earlier, where you do need to continue to hone your skills and make that smooth transition from high school academically. So don't get senioritis. So yes, the intensity on your own of study really factors in. So you take those hours now and you might have just gotten done with a, a lecture, but now you need to go review your notes. You need to to go and read the text. You need to read the pages in the textbook or, or whatever the online assignment might have been and, and engage in with maybe peers in your class. So you start to have to self-manage yourself academically outside of that. That's why two support is necessary for some to establish that early on. I think that is where A lot of people are surprised is how much free time they have, and then they quickly find out that free time is absorbed very quickly with academic responsibilities in addition to the athletic responsibilities that they have, like the lifts, like practice, like getting on the bus, the plane, and then going and playing the games and those sorts of things. And so it becomes interesting because you do have to study in the hotel. You do have to study in the airport terminal. You do have to find pockets of time where you're reviewing things and and, and being prepared as possible with uh, some of these things
0: as the world is now with the uh, COVID situation in some high schools, how the uh, seniors this year and the juniors come into college. And really if they've done it correctly and they've had to stay at home and do some classes, it's kind of good college training, isn't it?
1: In many ways. And it'll be interesting to see how we transition. Hopefully, you know, we all are hoping and praying we get back to whatever the new normal is going to be. And it, but that's you know, where people are healthy and happy and mobile again and if that does occur, yes, because I think institutions across the country are going to be assessing what online instruction do we want to retain? Do do we want to do a hybrid version of this now? Do we want to go back to full bricks and mortar instruction where you, you're you present um, each session where the lecture or the instructions are going on? So it, it'll be interesting to see, but I, I believe that most do learn better uh, whenever they're in, able to gauge engage with someone in person, at least on occasion. And so I would anticipate probably more hybrid learning um, as the first step and then see an assessment from that experience and then moving forward to see what is the best learning capacity for for everyone and instruction capacity for those uh, doing the teaching.
0: Well, very good. We've talked a lot about the academic portion of your job. Uh, What does the career counseling uh, consist of and uh, when do you start with that with a uh, student-athlete?
1: Well, I think you introduced that, um, again, I, I, generally speaking, I would say you introduced the concept of it uh, very early on, in particular, the networking opportunities, because the alumni networking that you have, the faculty mentoring programs that you have, I mean, each of your faculty can be a mentor to you in many ways, um, and so you want to you want to help students understand it very early on, that everyone you meet uh, potentially is a new resource resource for you and you for them and so you need to make that connection you need to know your faculty of it's so easy at an institution and you know this is true I know it's true from our collegiate experiences when you walk into some of these auditoriums I mean I'm from mansfield it's not a big place there was a classroom that I got in when I walked in my freshman year in Missouri State that was bigger than my entire high school okay so that can be that can be exciting but it can also be intimidating and scary and so you've got to understand that you you need Need to engage with your faculty that doesn't mean you need to miss necessarily you know stand up and say hey i want to introduce myself in front of the whole class but after class or before class or during office hours or an email or phone call some sort of connection with that faculty member becomes important and we try to stress that with our students to to have a relationship have communication because It eventually can lead to more understanding and knowledge within the classroom, but ultimately maybe that professor or that teacher knows you in a capacity that they can make a referral on down the line, and they also have an influence on your major, your minor, that sort of thing potentially, so I think you should use your faculty, and so that's part of the networking. I believe that's also true with our alumni networks across our campuses throughout the country. So your alumni associations, in addition to if you're an athlete, there are typically letter winner um, associations and networks that are people you can rely upon. So we let our first year students know that's available. Then it sort of ramps up as they continue to move forward. Some people are looking for internships. Some people are looking for jobs and opportunities that are gonna help um, with their career development on down the line. As you get into the upperclassmen years, yes, then you're looking more intense into providing resume support Uh, actual job searches, uh, career fairs. Uh, Some are institutional career fairs. Some athletic departments across the country will just have career fairs where employers are coming in and they are being hosted and all they want to talk to are student athletes and they want to try and provide them opportunities to come and work for their organizations. We're doing mock interviews across the country, those sorts of things. Just anything we can do to sort of prepare them because it's, again, graduation is the goal, but What's the goal after graduation? Is to get a job or or play professionally. I mean, we don't we don't dismiss that at our levels. Uh, we uh, we certainly want everyone to play as long as they can and want to, and uh, until somebody tells them they can't, I guess, or they're not paid anymore. So. <laughs> I think um, it's, a, it's an important piece that uh, you want to always be looking forward to that next opportunity. And the, and the career counseling component of this is a campus-wide initiative and an athletic de- uh, department initiative as well. I think there's there's a partnership throughout. You're you're earning a degree. You you want to be an empowered individual when you walk out. You don't want to just go through the motions and end up with a diploma and say, yeah, well, I played ball for four years, but I didn't really get much out of it. I think that would be a huge disappointment. I think yes. that would have been a waste of time and energy and a lot of a uh, lot of effort that uh, was misguided. I think there's a way to do all of this in a way that you can still have a blast and you can chase your dream professionally, or even if it's not professionally, just chase your dream of being the best collegiate player you can be and have a blast with that but take advantage of the opportunity that's being presented and that's a four-year degree and it's going to open up uh, as we said earlier so many doors um some that you don't even know are going to be open and and in some cases they're going to come knocking on your door and you don't even ask it's amazing some of the things that occur uh, because you've done your due diligence and you've taken care of business so it typically is all well worth it to, and it's worth the sacrifice because there is a lot of sacrifice that goes on with this you're not able to maybe have the, the same social life or you're not able to be employed there's some things that you're giving up but it is uh, the the benefit is that you're playing with a sport your your social circle is your team and those around you within an athletics uh, facility and all the other teams um, you know most division one programs are going to have four or five six hundred athletes around so so, um, you're going to be connected to a lot of good people and it's important to take advantage of those opportunities as well
0: well it's important to have a goal of being paid professionally as an athlete when you get out of college but you also have to have that goal of just being paid as a professional and so everybody that comes out of college you're hoping becomes a professional in their field
1: absolutely and that's the, the great thing about it is you know working for these almost 30 years now is that you know i get to see their journey
0: Hey, Glenn, are there any other nuggets of advice you want to pass along to our Recruit Me families?
1: Hey, I would just say stay positive and patient. You know, th- this, is, this can be a grind, but it's also a very exciting time. Um, and ultimately, I believe that as long as you stay persistent with it as well, it's, it's hopefully going to pay off for you. It's wonderful to be a college student, and, and I guess I just wish everyone the best as they chase their dreams of also being an athlete at the same time.
0: Well, we appreciate you taking time away from uh, your busy schedule because you guys are right in the middle of uh, school and and, and athletics, so uh, appreciate you taking the time. You're welcome. Take care, Brent. The last 10 episodes of 2020 had the 10 myths about athletic scholarships from the Recruit Me 3.0 athletic scholarship system. So to start 2021, I'm going to dip into the Appendix C of the Recruit Me 3.0 system for frequently asked recruiting questions from student athletes and parents. I hope you find this Q&A section helpful. Question. Should we continue to send updated information to the entire list of schools that we've sent to or only to those who've responded to us? And how often do we send these updates? Can you give me examples of updates to send to the coaches? Answer. Send updates to all the schools that you have initially written to, assuming you have interest in each of those schools. If you send an update to schools you have not heard from, attach the profile again so they have the basic information. Send an update after each season, whether it's club or high school. And adding a cover letter is always good too, just to stand out and add that personal touch. It shows you are truly interested. Open it with something like, You have my information on file. I want to give you my latest update. There's an example update in this textbook. So check out the RecruitMe 3.0 system to see the question and answer section and also the samples that we talked about. Thank you for listening to episode 238, and we will see you next week.